Welcome back to the Sandlot Baseball Podcast. It's been a little bit. We've been on a bit of a two-week hiatus here with the uh, with the podcast, mainly due to me. I, I had some senior week stuff uh, going on at school and just didn't have enough time to record, but we're back. We're better than ever. Now we got two weeks worth of baseball to discuss with you guys to catch up on. We're pumped to be back. Well, we definitely said we wanted to keep doing this throughout the course of the season. So Tom and I are pumped to be back and uh, we got a, we got another great episode ahead for you. A lot of stuff happened in these two weeks that we, uh, we haven't recorded. Um, just for reference, we're recording this on May 27th, Thursday, May 27th. And a lot of stuff's gone on since we last recorded. I believe we last recorded probably two Wednesdays ago. So it's been a bit, a lot of stuff's happened in that, in that time. And uh, first we're going to send it over to Tom and check in and see how Tom's been doing in these two weeks we've been gone. Yeah, it's good, good to be back again. Our apologies. There was a lot of stuff going on. It was kind of the, uh, the heart of our college graduations. And I, I had some stuff going on to had some stuff going on at the end of the day. It was time for us to uh, celebrate responsibly, of course. So, uh, we kind of just took a little break and we're back though. We're back. We're back. We're back. Um, I'm, I'm doing great mainly because the Yankees are doing great. And me and two just came off a crazy hot day of golf yesterday on probably the hottest day this earth has ever seen. But uh, no, it's good to be back again. Lots happen because at, at the end of the day, baseball is played every single day. So things are going to be happening and, sure is sure as however you want to put it in the time we took off there were two no hitters and i think that's how we're going to start this so to take it away yeah so um, what's becoming the theme of this season the no hitter is back and the no hitter is back on back-to-back days in this past week we had two no hitters on back-to-back days first being thrown uh by the Detroit Tigers, Spencer Turnbull threw one against the Seattle Mariners in Seattle, making uh, Seattle uh, another one of the teams to be no hit twice. And then the Texas Rangers got no hit by Corey Kluber and the Yankees the very next day. And that also made the Texas Rangers another one of these teams that have been no hit twice this year. Um, So it's been the Mariners, the Indians and the Rangers have been no hit twice this year. And, you know, as, as cool as no hitters are, it's starting to be like, for me at least, become like almost an every other week thing. And it's not as not as special anymore, but uh, we can get into that. But first, we're going to talk about Spencer Turnbull's no hitter. He threw this on May 18th of 2021 in Seattle. The Tigers won this game 5 nothing. They Tigers ended up putting up 10 hits, but obviously the Mariners, no hit. Um, Turnbull's line red. Nine innings pitched, two walks, nine Ks. He threw 117 pitches, and 77 of them were, were strikes. And this brought his uh, season ERA down to a 2.88. So with Turnbull, Turnbull's a guy that he, throughout his career, hasn't been a very good pitcher. Um he has often struggled to get wins. Um, just looking back uh, in 2019, he was three and 17. Um, and he, he ended up starting 30 games for the Tigers, throwing 148 
innings. Uh, gave up 154 hits that year with 146 strikeouts to 59 walks and had an ERA of his ERA that year was if I can find it here he had a four one or four six one ERA that year um, last year in 2020 uh, ended up going four and four and 11 starts with the three nine seven ERA um, of course last year. We, we know we've talked about many times was a weird year. So, um, and so far this year with the Tigers, he's three and two with the three, one, two ERA in seven games, he's thrown 40 innings. So obviously this no hitter, um, probably the shining light in uh, Spencer Turnbull's um, short career so far. Um, he's only been in the league since 2018, uh, only appeared in four games that year, but, um, definitely for him, this is going to be his uh, crowning accomplishment up until this point. Uh, who knows if he'll turn it around from here and start to have a bit of a better career. But this is a guy that at, has often struggled throughout his career. And, you know, it's nice to see guys that um, aren't the big name starters get these these accomplishments and accolades like this just because, you know, they often – put up lackluster seasons and when they can have a moment like this, it's cool to see because you only get so many chances at the big league level. Um, and to have a moment like this is pretty awesome um, for him. It's just unreal. Like just the names, the names we're even speaking when it comes to who's throwing these no hitters. Like I've never heard of this guy up until he threw the no hitter. Like you said, you just read off all his numbers. What are these guys drinking before the game? They have to be drinking like like so some of Michael's secret stuff from Space Jam. It's just unreal. And the craziest thing about just obviously, you know, I did not watch the game. I I I I surprisingly did not tune into a Detroit Tigers game on a random Wednesday. What was it Thursday night, Sunday Tuesday night? night, Tuesday, Tuesday night. night. Yeah, you know, I was not tuning into that. But uh, regardless, I mean, yeah, the, well, I, I only tuned into the end. So right, I don't of feel bad. Last last couple of innings. It's just crazy, like like another no hitter. So that was the fifth one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so like you said, it's just crazy how. So that was against the Mariners. So the Mariners were now the second team to get no hit twice. Them in Cleveland, and then the next night, which we'll get into that one afterwards, the Rangers got no hit. So when you hear that a total of six no hitters have been thrown, you're thinking six teams, like twenty percent of the league, has been no hit, which which would be bananas. Nope, it's just three teams got no hit twice, and that's that's a horrible look for obviously the teams that got no hit. Yeah, and- well, just to bounce off that, you look at the teams that have got no hit, and Texas has got no hit twice. They're in dead last in their division, right? And then Seattle, they're in third right now, and what is a, a pretty top loaded division anyway. So it's like not like the bottom half of the division is very good, but um. Seattle's got a run differential of negative 52. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, and the only team that's somewhat decent out of the teams that have been no hit so far is Cleveland. They're in second right now in the central, but again, the central is another uh, one of the weaker divisions. So um, it's just interesting that it's been three teams that have been no hit out of the six no hitters. We've had. But you know, Trumbull, Trumbull, shout out to that guy. I mean, like you said, hopefully this is kind of a, Maybe, maybe a little confidence boost for him. And, again, even if he doesn't have a crazy year, it'll definitely be a year, a year he'll never forget. 
Yeah, no, either way, it's it's kind of like a, a shining moment for him. If Absolutely. If it ends up being a bad year um, like he's had in the past. And just to just to bring up more about um, talk a little bit more about the teams that have been no hit so far. So if you look at the some of the stats, the team based stats. The Seattle Mariners have the worst team average in baseball. They're hitting 202 as a team. So you look at that. The Indians are hitting not much better. They're only hitting uh, 215 as a team. And then in terms of Texas, who we're going to get into with a Corey Kluber no-hitter, Texas is hitting 235 as a team. So a little bit better. But either way, these teams are all uh, struggling to – to really create any offense as it is. And it's just, it's rather interesting. I think um, normally, you know, we wouldn't see, we wouldn't see this many no hitters this early in the year. Um, right. And we wouldn't see the same teams getting no hit in a year like this, but um, it's just been a weird year so far in terms of the no hitter. And that can bring up the debate about, uh, you know, many people say there's a debate to move the mound back. And uh, I feel like this is only fueling that fire even more. Um, so for the people that don't want the mound to be moved back, maybe hope for less no hitters because the more no hitters we get, the more people are going to start fighting to move the mound back in order to try to even out the the competitive advantage that. But like, why why would you move it back though? Um, just to allow for. Uh, it's it so hard. Well, that and then it just allows for. Um, that little bit of extra distance allows for the chance for batters to, to see the ball a little bit better. And it, it just kind of would give them a little bit more of a, a competitive, uh, it wouldn't so much give the pitcher such a competitive advantage. Um, Interesting. But that's just a debate that's been had. And I think they might've tried it out and there's one particular minor league, um, minor league league, that is often used as the guinea pig for this stuff. And I'm pretty sure they tried it out. If not, they're trying it out this year, mm-hmm. uh, moving the bound back like six inches or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's rather weird just to see that we've had six no hitters and we're not even out of May, but it's bananas to carry uh-huh. on with the no hitter discussion. Yeah. We had another no hitter the very next night on May 19th, Corey Kluber threw a no hitter against the Texas Rangers, again, on the road in Texas, uh, which was pretty cool because um, Texas is one of the few teams that is operating at full capacity. So it was a pretty packed packed house for the Corey Kluber no-hitter. And I didn't catch this game. I was at the beach, but we ended up turning the radio on, and I had to listen to Corey Kluber finish off his no-hitter in a car full of Yankee fans. So not exactly exciting for me, but uh, Kluber's a guy that, you know, is pretty easy to root for. Um, in my opinion, at least, I always found him easy to root for in Cleveland oh, yeah. and um, especially coming back from this injury um, that he, he suffered an injury in Cleveland was sidelined. Then Texas, he threw not even a full inning and was out for the year with them and comes back for the Yankees and, he was a guy that got off to a bit of a shaky start. And I know some Yankee fans weren't too happy with what they were getting out of Kluber, but this is just great to see that Kluber is back and 
back and, and starting to pitch like the Corey Kluber that we know in the past. Um, at least I know his last start against Toronto, he wasn't as good as he had been. But in the le- weeks leading up to his no-hitter, Kluber looked like he had started turning things around. And just to read his stat line, obviously nine innings pitch, no hits, one walk, nine Ks on 101 pitches, 71 of those are strikes. His season ERA is now at 286. And this was only a two, uh, two nothing game. And the Yankees only had four hits themselves, but Tyler Wade actually played a big role in this Yankees win, which yes, he did. is rather interesting because he's not the first guy you think of when you think of Yankees offense. But uh, in, you know, coming from a, a Red Sox standpoint, I, I don't really care that the Yankees got a no hitter, obviously, but um, if anyone was going to do it for them, I'm, I'm glad it was Kluber just to see him come back from the injury he sustained. Um, so it's nice to see a guy like him end up getting this no hitter. It was I'm sure it, you're going to have a, a lot of thoughts on this. Oh, no, listen, it was, it was on, unreal, unreal to watch. Obviously I was, I watched that one. That was the first full game. No hitter I've watched this year. Um, it's just it's crazy. Like you don't even and the pitchers say it all the time too. Like uh, post game, even as a fan, you don't even realize it until like the fifth, sixth inning. And then I think I think I don't I think I didn't even notice until Michael K said after the sixth inning that uh, Corey Corey Kluber had Corey Kluber's in, in the midst of a no hitter right now. And then I kind of like woke up out of my seat. I said, "Holy cow!" Uh, but he just he just looked good all night and. Kluber's a guy, which I'm sure all baseball fans know by now. He shows no emotion ever, no matter what he's doing. So again, like ninth inning, the for the last out, the guy's face is as solid as a rock. Like he's just he is not he he had no emotion, did not look nervous. And you know, like you were saying, so obviously the year didn't start off how you wanted to for him, but you kind of expected that. He didn't throw he didn't throw a baseball in, until like he didn't throw a baseball for us for a good year. So I cut the guy a break, but like you also mentioned the weeks leading up to this, he was like the last few starts, he was heating up and he was actually throwing, he was playing phenomenal baseball. And, uh, and that was just the Yankees entire, entire rotation as a whole, but I'll get into that later. So like Kluber, when you just, just like you said, just to see him throw it, it was kind of just a, a full circle kind of comeback. You know, obviously the last two years went the way they did, but now we threw a no hitter and, it definitely not took away, but it definitely took a little bit of the impact away because unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, but unfortunately there were five no hitters already before him. Like if this, like if this was the first one of the year or even like the second one, it would have been crazy, crazy, but obviously you know, received differently. Right. The league as a whole. And, but it it was so weird though. So it happened. Right. And I, I practically cried. And, you know, Michael K had a phenomenal call. And uh, obviously, you know, I, I studied this stuff at school and just he, he nailed everything on the head, said the lines that mattered, and then let the, just let the natural sound from the stadium take over. And then it was funny. So obviously you saw how the Yankees celebrated, rightfully so. The guy just threw a no-hitter. And again, it's the whole comeback story. You know how many Yankee fans were, like, laughing at, like, how happy they were celebrating? They were made that they were they were saying like they were saying like this is crazy like it's like they just won the World Series. Listen to me. The the guy just threw a no hitter. 
The Yankees haven't thrown a no-hitter since David Cohn threw one in 1999. We were, I think, I was seven months old. So you were, I forgot how, how, how many months older I am than you. Not a lot. So we were like seven, eight months, right, around mm-hmm. there. So we weren't even a year yet. So a majority of these Yankee fans weren't even born or like we're or like, we're like f- five years old. So my thing is, yeah, I know there were five no hitters before this, but like just the only, the only one on that team that has sniffed a championship is Brett Gardner. Yeah. Obviously Cole's been to the world series. Kluber's been to the world series. You know what I mean? So like to those guys, that is their championship as of right now that Kluber just threw a no hitter. So like let them, Cause also, yeah, the Yankees were starting to win games, but they still did not have that kind of life yet. You know, they didn't have that spark, and you could tell. So right after that no hitter, you saw how they were celebrating. You saw, and like I kind of said to myself, I said, "This is the spark they needed." And then they went right on to uh, they went back home to host the White Sox, who at that moment were the best team in the American League, and they spanked them for a full series. And they really did. I was actually at the, I was actually at the Friday night game, which I'll get into later. So like just just to see just to see how much of an impact that can have on the on the entire clubhouse, which is awesome to see. So Kluber, my guy, shout out to you. But unfortunately, I think I think I'm going to segue into that right now, just because that's the way it's flowing. So unfortunately, Kluber. So you're thinking, you know, the guy just doing no hitter. He he he, he strung together a, a good amount of a good amount of quality starts now. It's gonna look like it's gonna look like he's gonna smooth coast into the summer. <sighs> His next start following the no hitter, Kluber uh, Kluber got hurt, strained something in his shoulder. I forgot the name of it. Um, so he's out. They're saying he's out like at one to two months. So when you think about it, if he's out a month, he's gonna need at least four weeks to get back into the swing of things. So yeah. that's already the end of July. So, you know, it's crazy just how, how how fast the season has flown by. So, like, Kluber's gone till pretty much, I'm going to say August at this point. I'm just going to – I'm going to go bigger. And it's just something you really hate to see, what I've just been going on about for the last five minutes. It's, it, it was a crazy comeback story for Kluber. Hadn't hadn't thrown in two years. Finally, finally came back, strung together some start through, no hitter. And – so it sucks to see him go down. Hopefully, I mean, because when you think about a guy like him, it's not like a young top of the line guy that, you know, he's young. So when he comes back, he'll most likely figure it out. It took Kluber just about a month to figure it out this year. Yeah. So like when he comes back in, in July now, the end of July, you're thinking he'll need the whole month of August to get back on track. And then, so hopefully like, you know, there'll still be enough time. Hopefully, uh, he can string together some starts in September before the playoffs start. But now for me, it just makes me think, you know, who's going to be that fifth guy now for the Yankees, which I can go, I can go on more when I talk about the Yankees, but you know, it makes you think, think about the week the Yankees rotation just had. They went 37, 37 combined innings without giving up a run. And yeah, that includes Jamo Tyone. Obviously it includes Cole. herman has been pitching out of his mind. Montgomery too. Montgomery pitched the game I was at. And then obviously Kluber. So it just makes you think, you know, you got Debbie Garcia and a bunch of guys, but I'll go, I'll go on about that later. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's unfortunate to see that uh, Kluber goes down with an injury right after this performance. Sucks. Um, he was four and three up, uh, up into the point of recording today. He's four and three with the three Oh four ERA. 
And like we mentioned a bunch of times in that segment, he's definitely been turning stuff around ever since um, that the really the first month of the season in which he struggled a little bit, but just to keep the injury train flowing, because that seems to be where we're going. We're going to get into the Mike Trout injury here in a second, but there is some breaking news on an injury that took place last night in the Red Sox Braves game. Marcelo Zuna is going to be out six weeks with a finger injury. No. Um, he sustained this sliding into third base. And that means now Osuna is sidelined for six weeks, which is a big loss for the Braves. Um, he is a key part of that offense. Um, one of the thundering bats that the Braves have in the middle of their lineup to go alongside Acuna, Albies, Freeman. And, you know, it's this is a big loss for the Braves, but it's also not just because of how deep their offense is. But, you know, you don't want to take Marcelo Sunas at bat out of your hand or out of your lineup at any time. But that was just an injury update that just got – I just saw it just now. Um, I, I obviously I was watching the game last night. I knew he'd can't, uh, come out of the game with the injury. Um, and it looked pretty bad when it happened initially, but um, we finally got a bit of a status update on that and how long he's expected to be out. But the big injury throughout the league happened to the league's best player. And that's Mike Trout. Trout is going to miss six to eight weeks with a calf strain um, as reported on by on May 18th. So this unfortunately seems to be a big part of Mike Trout is missing time with injuries. And, you know, it's unfortunate to see because Trout is truly the best player of baseball Mm -hmm. and not being able to see him play every day is it's unfortunate for the game. It's unfortunate for Angels fans and the league as a whole. Um, I was actually I, I was fortunate enough to go up to Fenway Park a couple of weeks ago when the Red Sox were playing the Angels. This was on one of our, our breaks. Or on our two-week break, I went up there, and uh, I saw Trout and Otani play. Trout ended up going 0 for 4 in that game. But, um, yeah, Trout had been – Trout had been struggling up until the point uh, yeah. where it came down that he had an injury. Um, he was in a bit of a slump, but still, this guy's an otherworldly talent. And this, I, I think this is really going to impact the Angels' chances of making the playoffs this year. You know, it's one guy doesn't make you a playoff team, but Mike Trout is a different breed of player. And the Angels are significantly better when Mike Trout's on the field. And when he's not on the field, they lose the best player in baseball. And that's a big loss for any team to sustain, no matter how well Shohei Otani plays. And we'll get into that in a bit of this segment. Mm -hmm. But losing Trout for six to eight weeks is a big blow for the Angels. And, uh, Tom, you can take it from here. Don't you just feel, like, so bad for the guy? Yeah. Obviously, you know, from a big world standpoint, no, because he's still making, what is it, a gazillion dollars a year for the next 13 years. But at the same time, like just from an athlete standpoint, he was having a career year. He was bad. Obviously, he was on a bit of a schneid for uh, for like I think it was like almost like a week, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, But, you know, he was he was going to have another career year. He was going to probably lead the league in war again. And the Angels were doing below average as usual, but he was still raking. 
and then he gets hurt. So, you know, his, his MVP, his MVP chances are out the window. Um, you honestly just hope, honestly, <laughs> like you just hope he comes back. So I guess sometime late summer gets hot again, and then just, you know, racks up some more war by the end of the season. So he can just keep chasing all these legends, but it just, it really sucks. Cause like you said, the only thing right now that he's gone, that's keeping the angels relevant is Otani. Like if Otani wasn't there and now Trout is gone, you wouldn't hear from the LA angels the rest of the year. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, you look at the angels right now anyways, and they're, they're in fourth in the division. They moved, they were in last, they moved up a little bit. Yeah. Um, just because of how bad the Texas Rangers are, but they're, uh, they're six games out of first place. Oakland's still in first and Houston's in second. And then you have Seattle, uh, only a game and a half above the angels, but uh, they're six games out. They're on a three game win streak right now. Um, they play Oakland tonight, but you look at this team and they, they, they were struggling with trout and they, they're, they're inevitably going to struggle with that. Oh, Trout more than likely. Um, who knows? Maybe they use Trout getting hurt as inspiration to start playing better or something. But yeah, it's it's just unfortunate to see that Mike Trout's going to be out for this extended period of time. Because anytime you you lose a superstar like this, the game loses out because you don't get to see it. One of the best players play every day. Absolutely. But if we look at the other side of this coin. Now all the attention is going to shift over to Shohei Otani. Yep. And it's just, I mean, I, I know a lot of people, I know some people that are like at this point, like tired with how much Otani gets hyped up just because of what he, what he is and what he does. But you look at what this guy's doing this year. He's got 15 home runs, 31 RBIs or 38 RBIs. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he scored 33 runs, six stolen bases. He's batting 269. He's got 46 hits. Um, his war right now is at a two, two, eight, but he DHs, so that's kind of like you can't fully look into that. And it's just, I mean, when we were at the uh, the Red Sox Angels game, he went deep and it was like it was mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I was cheering against the Red Sox for a second because I got to see Shohei Otani hit a home run, and it's just it's amazing to watch this guy just kind of captivate audiences. Outside of baseball, you see guys. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw JJ Watt tweeting about him and stuff, and yep. guys outside of baseball tweeting about him, and it's cool to see. Um, and it's just it's unfortunate that Trout's not going to be alongside of him to build up that hype. And you know, I'm I'm kind of upset because it's it's great for baseball when Otani's building up hype and Trout's also there alongside of him because you get yeah. to see these two different breeds of players just excelling on the same team at the same time. But Otani's just been unbelievable this year. Um, I don't know your thoughts on him, but I, I I'm big time on the Shohei fan boat and uh, I love seeing him do well. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a generational talent doing generational talent things. He's yeah. like, you mentioned all his, all his hitting stats. So like the 15 home runs is tied for third in the entire MLB. The 38 RBIs is tied for sixth. And then, like, pitching. So, he's 1-0 through six starts. Obviously, you're not going to win a lot of games when you're on the Angels. But he's 1-0 through six starts. With His ERA is 2-3-7. His whip's 1-2-5. And he has 45 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's just 
It's crazy. So he actually pitches tonight. We're so we're recording on Thursday. He pitches tonight. That's a game that like that's an Angels game where like I'm gonna keep checking just for like uh you know like just to, like keep track of everything. And his swing is just so pure. I I know every, I know everyone everyone can get on him. I guess for like maybe like his pitching wall. Yeah, and they try to get on him about his average and stuff that it's yeah, not like. like like uh, p- people are like they're making this guy that seem like he's god but he's only hitting 270 listen some guys can't even hit in the league and then some pitchers can't even pitch this guy's doing both yeah. this guy's hitting above the league average in bet for batting average he's keeping pace with think of just think about the home runs for a second think about the guys like he's competing with Ro- uh, Ronald Acuña JD Martinez you know like Power hitters like there, like there's guys. Obviously, you know Acuna is a Acuna is a all over the all over the stack stack cast kind of guy. But like there's there's players that only get seen in the leaderboards for home runs, and yeah. Otani's in almost every single leaderboard. It's really just crazy. And so, like I said, you know, there's guys that can't even hit, and then there's pitchers that can't even pitch. He's doing both in the same games sometimes. Yeah, and which is crazy. It's just crazy, and honestly, I love him. And you know, he, he seems very humble. Obviously, you know, he's not like he, he's not he's not doing anything crazy. And dude, he's no. not huge. Have you like seen him like running yeah, the bases? That that picture. Uh, so when I was at Fenway, that was the first time I'd ever seen him in person up close, yeah. and he's I was dude. I was kind of blown away at how big he was. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if. I don't know if you saw the ball he hit at Fenway or any of the yeah. listeners saw it, but he, it was like an ass out swing on a slider away. Oppo and he, taco. And he hit it over the monster. <laughs> it was crazy. It, I'm there with all my friends and we're, we look at each other after and we're like, how did he hit the ball out with that swing? Yep. It was, it was such like a, a almost, I got fooled swing mm-hmm. and he still hit it out, which was, we, we were blown away and we were kind of blown away when he first, because we didn't see him. He wasn't on the field. Um, we got there, and the Angels were doing BP, uh, some of the guys. And he wasn't on the field at the time, and he didn't come out at all during that period. And it wasn't until, like, the latter half of uh, pregame stretching and stuff where he came out, and we were like, wow, like, this dude is this dude is big. And uh, it was just awesome to see him finally play in person. But, I mean, in terms of the Angels, you know – it's going to, to me, it's going to be, they're going to have to weather the storm for now until trout gets back. They might, I I think, I really think that if they think they're going to make the playoffs this year, they're going to have to make some moves with the rotation. You know, we talked about it last week. They're, they're still eating up a bunch of Albert's contract, even though he's playing on the other side of LA now, but they're going to have to, they're going to have to do something with this rotation, but that is all we have with the Angels. And Can we talk now, about that for a second? Because that happened while we were on our little hiatus. Albert. Oh, yep. Albert. Uh, so while we were gone, uh, our last episode, we had just talked about how they cut him, how Albert Pujols was released by the Angels. And a couple days later, uh, probably about a week later, he was yeah. picked up by the Dodgers, uh, made his first Dodgers appearance, got a base hit, RBI. Um, Last night struggled. I watched the Dodger game last night while the Red Sox were in a rain, rain delay, but he struggled last night coming off the bench. But Albert Pujols is now a Dodger. So it's great to see that someone finally picked up Albert. Um, 
I was hoping it wouldn't be too long just because of who Albert Pujols is and what he's meant to the game. But the Dodgers decide to pick up Albert Pujols. Uh, a little bit of an interesting move uh, because it's not like Pujols will really be starting over Muncie at first right. or anything, but an interesting move, I think. Probably more of just like, obviously they don't need it, but I guess just like another, you know, champion presence in the, in the locker room. Yeah, definitely, definitely provides a veteran presence in the locker room and a, a good veteran for young guys to learn from. Definitely. Um, but that news is, was one of the things that we had while we were gone. I completely forgot about it. Um, just because of how long it's been since we last recorded, but you know what sucks too. We almost hit it right on the head. There were rumors that the Cardinals had interest in him, and that's what we said. Like that's all we wanted was to him to go back there, and then like on like his last game of the year, just belt a home run and then retire. And then, and then I think like I went to make food. I come back, and then the Dodgers sign him. I said, "Well, yeah. there goes that." But uh, it's crazy. So like, and obviously, you know. Now, Albert So Albert has two rings, and now he has a very legitimate chance of winning a third, which that'll be kind of nice. Obviously, you know, how much impact will he have towards that ring remains to be seen. But, you know, to, to in a, come October to see Albert Pools hoist up another ring would kind of be cool. It'll definitely be cool uh, as long as he stays there to see Albert in another postseason. He definitely gets some at bats at some point in the postseason, and that would be cool to see Albert back in the postseason because it's been a while. But the next topic we had were was probably the hottest team in baseball since we've been gone, and that is the Tampa Bay Rays, who won again last night after their 11-game win streak came to an end on Tuesday against the Royals. They ended up beating the Royals last night um, in extras. Andrew Benintendi actually tied the game in the ninth with a home run. Um, Kevin Cash decided not to let Glasnow go for the complete game last night, even though Glasnow was shoving against them. But the Rays, the Rays are hot, and the Rays, even with one loss, we'll have to wait and see if they continue to be hot. But mm-hmm. they are definitely hot. They the win streak started against the Yankees on Thursday, May 13th, after they beat the Yankees 9-1, and they went on to beat sweep the Mets, sweep the Orioles, and then sweep the Blue Jays in a four-game set. So the, the Rays have been hot, and this the the good play out of the Rays has projected or propelled them up into first place in the American League East. They're now a, a half game ahead of the Red Sox with the Red Sox win last night. They're a half game ahead of the Red Sox and a game and a half ahead of the Yankees and five games up on the Blue Jays. But, I mean, the Rays are that team that we, you know, we might not know a lot of the guys on the team coming into the year, but they find ways to win. And it's just a matter of when they're going to start winning. And it's, it's happened. They have a plus 50 run differential. And they are currently nine, nine and one in their last 10. Obviously they only, their only loss coming to the Royals the other night. Um, Like we said, with much of the American league East, their home record isn't that good, but on the road, they're 19 and seven. Mm -hmm. So very much like the Red Sox, the Red Sox are 14 and 13 on the road. 
Rays are 12 and 13 on the road. And then the Red Sox are 16 and seven on, or sorry, at home. Those were, uh, and the Red Sox and Rays are both only have seven losses on the road. So it, it, it seems to be the trend that these two teams and much of the American league East is playing extremely different on the road than they are at home. The only uh, real team that you see the competitive team right now that you see less of a difference is the Yankees. The Yankees have the exact same record at home as they do on the road at 14 and 10. But, you know, you look at, you look at the trends in the American league East and it seems to be that teams are playing a little bit better on the road than they are at home this year, which is, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit interesting, but the Rays have been hot. They, they have a, the Rays play their style of baseball and it works for them and they find ways to win. Um, which is unfortunate to see because for me, the Red Sox, the Red Sox have been playing really well and um, the Rays have just been unbelievable recently. And it's, they're just annoying. Yeah, they, they really are. They're, they're kind of pesky, but it's just, it, it's, it's the way they play. It's, it's the way these money ball type of teams play, you know, they're going to, they're going to be decent. They're going to go on some losing streaks, but then they're just going to explode for double digit plus consecutive wins throughout the year. And, and it's, it's only annoying because of course, all the, all the uh, baseball analysts love, love to, they love to just point out that their payroll is like a third of the Yankees payroll Mm -hmm. and they're winning all these games. And it's just like, thanks. Like, thanks for reminding me, you know, that, you know, the Yankees are paying a lot of guys, a lot of money and just like some of them are hurt all the time, but regardless the Rays, man, it's just like, it's, we can go on and on about it, but this is just who they are. Like you already said it, you know, it's, they play their style of baseball and it works. It works sometimes and it doesn't work. Um, but the 19 and seven on the road is crazy. Like that. Yeah. J- and again, I've been saying it all year because the, the Red Sox have been good on the road all year. That's what you want. The home wins are going to come, but like, if you can, when, when you take the planes to other places and you, if you can just pump out some wins on the road, you're gonna, it's gonna, you're gonna notice your your uh, win percentage to be significantly better come come uh, late summer. Oh, definitely, and it, it it really it can start to play a role in the postseason as well if you're comfortable playing on the road and and against fans that are obviously rooting against you. It definitely can can help you excel as a team. So it's definitely a good thing to be winning on the road and. I just, you know, it's it's a little weird to see because you look at a lot of the other teams that are division leaders and they, they play a lot better at home than the teams in the American League East have been. So it's just a little, it's interesting to me to see that that seems to be a bit of a trend with teams in the American League East. But regardless of that, the Rays are just the Rays and they they find ways to annoy the hell out of you and win win games. And I'd like to see him stop winning some games because as long as the Red Sox keep playing well, they'll be up towards the top of the standings. And if the Rays keep playing otherworldly, the Red Sox are just going to be in second. So it gets kind of annoying to me, but I'm sure it's annoying to a Yankee fan as well. But I'm ready for the Rays to start losing again. But Absolutely. you got to give them credit where credit's due, and they've been winning ball games. Yeah. And the final thing I want to touch on before we get into the Red Sox and Yankees is one of my personal favorite players, 
I, I just want to shout him out real quick because he's having an unbelievable year and he's often a guy that has been, you know, really has had a microscope on him ever since he's been called up and has been judged for a lot of his play when he hasn't been playing good. But that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Vladdy wow. Jr. is having himself a year. He's batting 337 with 16 home runs, 41 RBIs and 58 hits with an OBP of 447 and a slugging percentage of 674, an OPS of 1.121. So Vladdy's having a great year. He's got a uh, 2.8 war, which who cares? I don't care. Uh, <laughs> same as Otani, but he, he plays first base. So it's like, what do, you, what do you want the kid to do? But he's only in his age 22 season. So Vladdy's mine and Tom's age which is unbelievable to think about at this point. but It's crazy. I, I, I love Vladdy Jr. Um, I've been a big fan of him um, ever since he was playing at the, minor, the Blue Jays AA affiliate, which is in New Hampshire. And I grew up going to their games all the time. So I'm a big, I'm a big Vladdy guy, and I'm, I'm happy to see that he's having an unreal year and he's just continuing to dominate um, and show that he, he can live up to the hype that he was built for. Um, at the start of his career, just obviously, I mean, his dad's a hall of famer. So obviously he's going to have a lot of, a lot of pressure put on him from a young age, but I just wanted to shout out Vladdy jr. Real quick. Cause he's a wagon. Yeah. Um, he's just, he's so, he's just so good. Yeah. And I love seeing Vladdy dominate, but now we're going to segue into our weekly Red Sox Yankees talk. And Tom is going to start us off this week with the New York Yankees. Yeah, so obviously I already talked about them a lot because Kluber threw a no-hitter. But, you know, the Yanks are just playing really good baseball lately. And it, obviously, so last night they lost to uh, – last night. What day is today? Thursday? Today is Thursday, yes. Yeah, so they uh, they lost to Toronto to open the series. And then last night's game got canceled, so they have a doubleheader today. But, you know – Heading into this series with Toronto, they were playing really, really good baseball. They just swept the White Sox, who at that moment were the best team in the American League. So that right now they're seven and three in their last ten, but they're eight zero oh, and two in their last ten series, which to me is really nice to see. Um, and again, the starters had a historic week. Historic week last week, and you know, their run differential is back up to plus 20, which is something you want to see. And hopefully that continues to go up. It just shows that they're continuing to win games. And so, but just, this is all I really want to talk about. So I was at the game last Friday when uh, it was Jordan Montgomery scoring up against uh, Carlos Rodon for uh, some Friday night baseball action. And all day I was scared out of my shoes to watch this game because Heading into Friday night, the White Sox were 23-2 and in their last 25 games against left-handed starting pitchers. And it just so happens, of course, just because I'm going to the game, Jordan Montgomery happens to be a lefty. So all day I'm thinking, I'm like, man, this game can get really ugly really quick. But something even crazier happened. Montgomery absolutely shoved for the game of his life and – when I tell you it was good to be back, it was good to be back. And it really just it came down to – so I just read off that crazy streak the White Sox were on against lefties. 
it also just so happened that I am 19 and I was 19 and one in my last 20 trips to Yankee stadium. So it's kind of like a streak first streak competition. And I came out on top. So I'm 20 and one in my last 21 Yankee games I've been to. So if you want to go to a game, hit me up, make sure to see if I'm going. Cause that means the Yanks are going to win. And uh, no, but like at the end of the day, it was great to be back in the stadium. Um, obviously, even though it's there's significantly less people, it's still electric. It still feels like a full house. And really to just cap off that night, we bumped into really, they bumped into us on the way out. We got to see Michael Kay and David Cohn, obviously the broadcasters for the Yankees on yes network and just really nice guys. You know, obviously at the end of at the end of the game on a Friday night, I'm sure I'm sure all they want to do is just go home and, they took the time to, you know, stay back and talk to us. And obviously they did not have to do that. So it just shows they're really nice guys and probably one of the best nights of my life. It was truly a night for the record books. And, you know, the Yanks had a walk off. Glaber has been hitting the absolute crap out of the baseball recently, ever since he got COVID for the second time, even after being vaccinated, ever since he came back from that, he has been absolutely raking. And of course, there was the triple play. So let me break that down for you, right? My buddy, Zach, that we were with, he said right before first pitch, he said, all right, here's what we're going to do. Hit it right to Geo. He steps on third, throw it a second, and we get a quick double play. So crazy. That happens. Geo gets his steps on third, throws it a second. And all of a sudden, time kind of froze, right? And we saw that, like, the you could see the, you could tell the entire stadium looked at the guy running the first base. And, and we saw he was only like three quarters of the way there. So you kind of heard a, <gasps> and then uh, was it Glaber or DJ? I forgot who it was. Uh, I think it was DJ. It threw it to, threw it to first and Voight was like in a full split. And he, and even he looked at the ump when the ump did the, did the signal for out. I thought I could have sworn the stadium lifted two and a half feet off the ground. <laughs> Me and my boys that we were with, we we were literally jumping up and down like a bunch of cheerleaders. It was hilarious. And again, it's great night. Just but just to sum it up, Yanks are playing really good baseball lately. Obviously, they lost the other night, but um it's nice to see that they're actually starting to hit the ball for contact and not necessarily living and dying by the home run. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Kluber went down with an injury, so that sucks. Zach Britton needs to come back. I, 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 I'm really excited for my guy, Luis Severino, to come back. And uh, Giancarlo Stanton is starting to worry me with this uh, with this injury. We know how he likes to linger on the IL for a little while. But, hey, I'm trying to stay, I'm trying to stay positive because at the end of the day, they're winning series, which, which is really what I care most about. And this division, I, I've probably said it the last four episodes now, this division is going to be like this all year. All year. Yeah, but that, that's where I, that's where I all year. It's uh, there's no doubt it's going to be a fight all year with these teams. Um, and that just segues me over to the Red Sox conversation. Like Tom, I was able to get up to Fenway and finally see the Red Sox play after it's been probably two years since I've been at Fenway, maybe a little bit longer than that. And it was awesome to be up at Fenway. I went um, with, Four of my friends from school, all Yankees fans, all big Yankees fans. And it was just awesome to see all their first time at Fenway as well. And something about Fenway Park, it just had them on their feet. Um, 
cheering for the Red Sox and they were all in awe of Fenway itself. And it was just awesome to see some uh, Yankees fans just being taken back by their first time at Fenway. And mm-hmm. when, uh, when we saw the game where Bobby Dahlbeck went deep to give the Red Sox the lead and then he got a curtain call, which was awesome to see yeah. that, uh, that Fenway was loud enough. And that was the first week back that they bumped the capacity at Fenway up to 25%. So there were more fans than had been previously up to that point in the season. So uh, seeing Bobby's home run and it, it, literally all of my friends were on their feet clapping and cheering. It was, it was, I mean, I think part of it was just the the fact of all of us finally being back in a big He's league stadium back. for the first That's time. It and it was just the, the intensity of the situation, but it was awesome. Bobby's home run was awesome. Um, I'm a big Bobby Dahlbeck fan. So it was awesome to see him go deep. And, you know, the Sox, the Sox have continued to play well, um, run differential at plus 49, Razor at plus 50, but, you know, they continue to play well. Like, like I mentioned with the Rays, they're, they're excelling on the road more so, um, only one game over 500 at home, but 16 and seven on the road. Um, they're 30 and 20. I mean, if coming into this year, if you had told me in the first 50 games of the season, the Red Sox would have been 30 and 20, I probably would have said you're crazy. Yep. And I also would have been like, I'll take that any day of the week coming into the year with the expectations I had. Absolutely. And they're only a half game out of first place. Like, like I mentioned, when we were talking about the Rays, the Rays have been playing unbelievable. So it's like, like you can't play much better than the Red Sox have been playing. And the Rays have been doing that. So to be upset with how the Red Sox have been playing would just be the wrong thing to do just because of how good the Rays have been playing. And, you know, we mentioned on our last episode um, that was coming off of the series with, I believe, the Orioles it was. And it was going into this stretch of games where the Red Sox would be playing a lot of teams that were playoff teams last year with the Phillies mixed in, but you know, they, they ended up losing the series, to the A's who at the time, the A's were right with the Red Sox is the best team in the American league yeah. up until that point. Um, then they play the angels. They should have swept the angels. You know, it's unfortunate Sunday's game got away from them. Then they win the series with the blue Jays taking two or three, take two or three from the Phillies. And they just wrapped up the series last night with the Braves um, it was only a two-game series, but they split the series with the Braves. Um, they have the Marlins coming up this weekend. Another play, like, people forget the Marlins were a playoff team last year. Um, but another playoff team from last year. And then uh, to end May and start June, they, they go to Houston for four. And then, just like that, it's, it's here. It's finally here, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be Sox-Yankees in a week from – Tomorrow, mm-hmm. we're going to have Red Sox-Yankees baseball finally in 2021. So, you know, and after that, the Red Sox schedule doesn't get easier. They, they play Houston again, this time at Fenway, and then they got the Blue Jays for four, and then Atlanta. And then it evens out with uh, the Royals a little bit, who aren't, aren't as good as the teams that have been aforementioned. But, you know, it, I, I personally can't be mad with how the Red Sox have been playing because they've been playing winning baseball. The Rays have just been so hot lately that it's been hard to try to compete with that. Um, 
you know, the only thing is some of the starting pitching has, hasn't been what it was in April. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez has really struggled in the month of May and he's the guy that the Red Sox need to not be struggling because without sale, he's our ace. So I'd like to see Eddie pick it up a little bit um, just because he has struggled in the month of May. And some of the other starters have had a couple rocky starts in May. But overall, the Red Sox have been playing winning baseball in May. And I can't, I can't argue with winning baseball. Um, they're 6-4 and four in their last 10. So not the best in the division. I mean, you look at the Rays 9-1, and one, obviously, and then the Yankees are 7-3 seven, three, seven and three in their last 10. But um, you can, you, you, the Red Sox offense has been unbelievable. Um, as long as the pitching picks it up a little bit in terms of the starters, because for the most part, the bullpen has been pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Ottavino has been great this month. Matt Barnes has continued to be great. Um, his only one real blunder came against the Angels um, in the game that I mentioned, uh, the Sunday game where they should have they should have swept, but um, Barnes has only blown saves so far. But he's been unbelievable. Um, there have been a couple question marks in the bullpen, but for the most part, the bullpen's been solid. And you know, it's just it's just a matter of keep winning ball games and uh, keep competing and staying up at the top of the division because like you mentioned at the end of your uh Yankees talk it's it's gonna be this close in this division all year long and there's no there's no way around it and I don't think either of us would be shocked either if the Blue Jays messed around and cut the gap I mean I think they're let me check they're five yes, games they're, out so they're five back now so they were actually saying after the Rays just spanked them, if the Yankees did the same, it would kind of put Toronto in a deep hole when you yeah. think about it. Like but, if, I mean, Tor- Toronto Toronto won the game against the, the first game against the Yankees. It's going to determine. They're still right in it. There's still two games with them today. But, I mean, you look at that, and I wouldn't be shocked to see the Blue Jays kicking around and competing and being close at the top of the division towards, towards September. And it's only going to make the wild card even sweatier for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, the Red Sox and Yankees would both be in the playoffs as the two wild card teams. Um, and the next closest teams in are Cleveland and Houston. They're both half games back. Um, but honestly, excuse me, honestly, in my opinion, I think Cleveland will eventually start falling off. I, I don't yeah. think they're they're good enough to compete for the whole year. But um, no, I, I, I just – I can't be upset with how the Red Sox have been playing. And like I said, I would take, I would have taken 30 and 20 for our first 50 any day of the week, if you had asked me before the season starts. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pumped with how the Red Sox have been playing. The season's flying by too. We're already about it to starting. It's already going to be Memorial Day weekend this weekend. And then we bring bang, boom, we're in June. It's, it's hard to believe how fast it's gone. I, I was I like, it doesn't feel like it's been 50 games already, but it, it has been. But yeah. I'm, I'm pumped for next week. Um, who knows? Maybe Tom and I will try to get down to the Bronx for that if uh, we're around. And maybe we could do a little little content from the Bronx with the Red Sox and Yankees just yeah. to get down there. Um, but that's all we had for you guys this week. Tom, any final thoughts? No. Listen. Everyone have some, everyone have some fun. The weather's weather's getting nicer. Ba- baseball the, the baseball stadiums are opening up more and more. Um, let's just keep winning, man. That's it. That's all I got. Also, we are very due for a no hitter. We are due for a no hitter. It's it's been it's been a little while. I'm kind of getting worried. 
It's been a week. We we are due. That's funny. Uh, and the only other thing, I Tom, is the softball team going to get another win tonight? Ah, it's a good question. I think so. I think so. All right, that's good. Uh, Tom's softball team got their first win the other day. Uh, went down and played, helped play for them. But uh, hopefully, hopefully the uh, the softball team can inch back towards getting to the 500 record for Tom. But we have the uh, entire league right where we want them. <laughs> that's all we had for you guys for this week, and we'll be back next week. We're definitely going to try to start recording weekly again like we said it was just we were super busy with wrapping up the year school-wise and stuff and a lot of stuff going on and just you know needed a bit of a reset um we're definitely still watching baseball but we needed a reset from the podcast but uh we appreciate you guys and uh be sure to go follow us on instagram at the sandlot baseball podcast and we will see you guys next week yep see you guys next time peace later